Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New England Patriots. This is the Patriots Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Patriots Wire editor, Henry McKenna. Welcome to the show, our first official episode, I guess you could say, of the 2022 NFL season, at least post-Super Bowl. How's life been treating you, Henry? I haven't talked to you in a little while. Life's been good. Uh, I did. I spent some time near the beach last week in the lead-up to the Super Bowl, which is great because as a Patriots reporter, I've rarely had time off during that Super Bowl week. <laughs> time off in I January? Say, yeah. What's that? Yeah. yeah exactly. A lot's happened. A lot's happened with the Patriots uh, since we talked last. Uh, a lot of movement on the coaching staff. Uh, and, and how does that affect Mac Jones? I think that's what we're going to be talking about a lot uh, this week, Henry. But real quick, Josh McDaniels out as Pat's offensive coordinator. And who's on deck, right? And I think the big story right now is not only Josh McDaniels being out and being over in Las Vegas, but who he brought with him, right? He brought former Patriots receivers coach Mick Lombardi with him to Vegas, a guy that we all thought w- would be in line for possibly a promotion, right? He also brought assistant QBs coach Bo Hardegree and offensive line coach Carmen Brasillo. What's your take on all this, Henry? The brain drain on offenses is more significant, honestly, than we've seen in recent years with the defensive coaches leaving. The only thing that's kind of comparable was when Flores took a bunch of defensive staffers to Miami, but and he's actually he actually took Chad O'Shea too from the offense. All that they have left, if if Ivan Fears, the running backs coach, retires, all that they really have left is Nick Cayley. So he's the tight ends coach. What we'll see probably is a bunch of promotions. They have Troy Brown, who will probably take over for receivers. They have Billy Yates, probably take over for Carmen Brasillo. They have Vinny Sensuri. He has been sort of the assistant, but I don't think he has. Yeah, he doesn't have the assistant title. He's, he's technically like a co-running backs coach. Uh, he will be that he will be probably promoted to that singular position if Fears retires. So Max Jones is heading into year two. Year two is supposedly the biggest point of development for a young player. He's going to need the most support they could possibly give him. They need to figure out what to do in terms of play calling, week-to-week game planning, coaching, everything. I mean, they need to bring everyone up to speed and rapidly because it's not like Tom Brady is in the offense telling everybody what to do. It's Mac Jones, and he he knows the offense, but he doesn't know 20 years' worth of the offense. That's why I think the simple solution, it's, it's not like simple from an emotional dynamic, but from an on-paper dynamic, is Bill O'Brien. With O'Brien, you have, you know, 2007 to 2011. That was when he was working for the Patriots. 2011 was when he was the offensive coordinator. They were one of the best offenses in the league, admittedly with really, really good personnel. You you have to see that body of work and have a little bit more faith in him coming in and running the offense than someone like, for example, Nick Cayley, who he's got seven years of coaching experience um, in New England system, but has never called plays and has never op- like run an offense, period, versus O'Brien, who ran an entire team in Houston. And, and frankly, the further he gets away from his tenure there, as dysfunctional as it was, his teams were actually pretty good compared to like what's happening there right now. It's like clear yes, that organization definitely. doesn't know what they're doing. 
So his resume looks better and better. I, I don't know. I just think, you know, they should just go, you know, all out for this, for that guy. He, um, they just need experience. They need stability. They need to do rather whatever they can to get O'Brien. Yeah. And, you know, it just brings me back to our draft prep last year. And you were, you were saying, you know, if the Patriots are sitting there at 15 and Mac Jones is on the board, it almost makes too much sense. They have to take Mac Jones. And that's what you predicted. That's how I feel about Billy O'Brien, uh, Henry. I just feel like it makes too much sense, right? The, the fact that he knows Belichick, he knows the Patriots. And there's that story that Mac Jones kind of helped Billy O'Brien learn the offense at Alabama. So it just almost makes too much sense. And yeah, give me Billy O'Brien over something like Matt Patricia and Joe Judge being the guys guiding Mac Jones through year number two. I mean, that kind of scares the crap out of me. And what I really feel like is coming is that the Patriots are not going to have an offensive coordinator. And you go back to a guy like Mick Lombardi, like has ties to the organization, going back to Mike Lombardi, right? Like he's a guy that you wouldn't expect to leave. Expect to, You'd expect for him to be in their plans. They've been grooming this guy. It almost feels like the Patriots weren't going to give him the offensive coordinator position, Henry. So he goes to Vegas and they gave it to him. And McDaniels gave it to him. Because it feels like the Patriots are going to have no offensive coordinator, like we've seen them do on defense, we've seen them do on offense before. And that role, I think, is going to be mostly absorbed by Bill Belichick. And maybe we see a guy like Matt Patricia up in the box calling the plays or or a guy like Joe Judge side-by-side side with Mac Jones. But I do feel like Bill Belichick, even if he doesn't have the play sheet in front of his face like Andy Reid or Sean McVay, I feel like he's going to take over the offense a little bit this year. And as you said and as you wrote, Billy O'Brien, it just almost makes too much sense. I'd be so much more comfortable with that guy than what I feel like is coming. Yeah, so the, there's Bill Belichick's relationship with Nick Saban. I imagine that Saban is not too keen on losing an offensive coordinator after one year takes a lot of time to school someone on system. They come in, they get acclimated to the culture. And then all of a sudden you do all this work to hire and train someone. And then like in any business, you don't want them to leave after one year. So I think with Saban, you have to, you know, unruffle feathers. That's Belichick's most, you know, you can argue whether Saban gives good or bad information, I suppose, but Saban gives him a lot of information, not just on Alabama, but on every draft prospect that comes out of the SEC. And so you cannot burn that bridge. Now, what if Bill O'Brien doesn't want to jump into an offensive coordinator role? Or or what if Belichick's unwilling to name O'Brien the offensive coordinator in year one? Or what if Belichick will give him the offensive coordinator role, but won't give him as much autonomy as Josh McDaniels? Or what if O'Brien wants the assistant head coaching title. Like there are so many weird power dynamics that like could be in play here that there's just like little ticky tack negotiations where like O'Brien like really wants a title or really wants to be able to do this, that, and that. And so there's sort of a stalemate where, you know, Belichick doesn't want to give too much too quickly to someone who he's not like totally sure will succeed. I just don't, I can't imagine a scenario where they lose five staffers on the offensive side of the ball. And then they're just like, yeah, we'll just hire Joe judge and be good. Like he's, he's a coordinator. He's a coach, head coach. His only experience was taking care of the receivers one year. And honestly, the receiver position was really unproductive that year. So unproductive that some argue that was why Tom Brady left. And, And I don't think there's that much merit in that argument, but there. 
is evidence that the receiver core was like underperforming. It was it was you know a rough year for Nikhil Harry. It was a rough year for Mohamed Sanu. Rough year for a lot of players in that group. You look at the Giants. I mean, that was some of the worst offense I've ever seen. Uh, the last two years uh, with yeah. New York, they blow out Jason Garrett. It got worse. Joe Judge, as head coach of the Giants, had every opportunity to go and fix the offense. And maybe there was maybe it was just so bad over there with the personnel that he couldn't fix it. But I don't know if I believe that. I think there might be a percentage there. Uh, this thing the Patriots do, this promotion from within thing I've loved over the years. But when you factor in that they're going to lose five coaches here on the offensive side of the ball alone, including Ivan Fears, assuming he retires, and you factor in Brian Flores from a few years ago, Josh McDaniels on offense, and Dante Scarnecchia with the offensive line, and if you could throw in Ernie Adams if you want, right? Whatever the hell he was doing. And uh, you got Ziegler and, and Casario, and guys like that in the personnel department. Like, you can only promote from within so much, right, Henry? Eventually, that well is going to run dry, and you have to go outside the organization. I think I've always applauded the Patriots and, and that, that whole promote from within thing. But I'm a little worried about it now if the best we could do is go find Joe Judge and, and pray that they get Billy O'Brien back. I mean, there were all kinds of candidates out there that could have come in and, and helped the Patriots as an offensive coordinator. And if it's just Joe Judge with like Bill Belichick behind the scenes pulling the strings, like it's a little terrifying. Yeah, I think you make a really good point. Their unwillingness to bring in out-of-house candidates, is it's just historically that's just what they do. They just don't hire people that are unfamiliar with their system. They have to be like brought up in the system. But I mean, that's just Belichick's way of doing it. And anytime that he doesn't get what he needs out of the coaching staff, he just does it himself. <laughs> so not the end of the world if Bill Belichick's like doing more. But I mean, at a certain point, the guy's going to burn out if he tries to do I mean, too much. You, you don't want to see Belichick like lose a year of his career like, you know what I mean? If he's got, let's say he's got like three more years in him, but this year he has to do like six jobs. So he's only got two years in him, like kind of thing. It's not that, that math doesn't make any sense. But it isn't, you get what I'm it isn't that coming. Like he helped more than he probably wanted to on defense this year. And the Patriots had that long win streak and it looked good there for a while. I think, you know, this year they bring in Matt Grow. He's going to be the, the director of player personnel, but we're really close to the draft of free agency. Do you really think? I really think Belichick's going to take on a you know a less collaborative approach. If last year was collaborative with the draft and free agency, Henry, I think this year it's going to be more Bill Belichick again because we got new guys moving into those roles. I just can't imagine him just handing over the reins there. And now he's going to add offense to his plate. Yeah, you're right, and he's turning seventy all the while. Like uh, I don't know. Yeah, Bill's got a he's got a lot on his plate for a seventy year old man. You know what I mean? So. No, it's going to be. Didn't even it's going add to be in that they they lost Nick Casario last year and Dave Ziegler this year. Those are his two like de facto general managers, right? Yeah. So they're hiring Matt Groh into that position. And so is he just going he to turn, no, turn Matt Groh loose? There's not a chance. Yeah, exactly. So I think of that um, famous picture of Belichick with like all of the holes in his shirt and his hair, just looking <laughs> super disheveled. It's 2022. That's like you. where. If Bill O'Brien doesn't join this staff by, like, April, that's what Bill Belichick's going to look like. <laughs> <laughs> and I fully expect him to be, like, the offensive coordinator this year. I really do. Yeah. Um, so I hope Steve Belichick has the defense uh, handled. Um, so, okay, so all that's super interesting. We're going to have to see how this plays out, especially here entering free agency and, and what's happening. Uh, but, you know, another another key piece of this behind the scenes is Mac Jones and his development. You hit on it, Henry. We, we need him to continue to develop. 
He's under that rookie contract. That's a huge advantage for the Patriots, uh, salary cap wise. But just for the future of the team, we need Mac Jones to be great. We need the guy grooming him to be great. Uh, I felt really good about Josh McDaniels being his, you know, his go-to guy. Feel less confident in Joe Judge. But what do you think about Mac Jones entering year two? Um, and you know, what do you think about him at the Pro Bowl? The Pro Bowl was cool because we saw a side of Mac Jones. If people saw all those mic'd up that was moments, awesome. that was awesome. Yeah, round of applause for Mac Jones for that. He's been hiding his personality all year. He's like just a squirrel heading into winter, just like putting it away for later. Um, Perfect. But analogy. actually, <laughs> but actually, like he he hides his personality so much. I'm sure that he's like that on on the field with Patriots players. It's just the Patriots never publish mic'd up moments. So there's no way for us to see it. Clearly that's it. And I think Mike Reese made this point. He's, he's the ESPN reporter uh, that covers the Patriots. I think players around the league are going to see that, see that Mac Jones is a lot of fun, see that playing for Belichick might be tough, but playing for a young leader like Mac Jones might be fun. And you know, Kendrick Bourne seems to love playing with Mac Jones. He talks about it all the time. It's probably why they get along so well on and off the field. You, if you start to build Mac Jones's persona, which the Patriots have not done, it can benefit the Patriots as their team building because Tom Brady used to be a huge draw and some players would take pay cuts to join him, right? Now they don't have that as much. Belichick's a great coach. He's, he's not necessarily looking like the best coach in the NFL right now. Like if you were to rank the coaches, would you really rank Belichick one? Like probably Patriots fans are yelling through their headphones at me. Of course, of course. But uh, the truth is probably that he doesn't have the best case to be numero uno. Um, He'd be up there in the top three probably. So you need, you need a draw beyond Belichick and Mac Jones might be coming along in that way. But the thing that I was thinking about actually from the Super Bowl was watching T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and, of course, Jamar Chase for Joe Burrow was these Patriots need another receiver. And they're not, they're not going to have the money to sign Chris Godwin. They have too much to do on the defensive side of the ball, whether it's re-signing you know, J.C. Jackson, re-signing Devin McCourty, like maybe – Dante Hightower doesn't retire and they want to retain him too. Jawan Bentley is headed to free agency. They've got this massive free agency class. And even if they don't resign all of those players, they've got to figure out how to replace them, right? So what I think the Patriots have to do is target a receiver in the draft. And, you know, maybe they won't go in round one with a receiver. But I do think there are like, there's like this tier of maybe seven receivers and they're they're pretty much all like great fits for New England. There's probably two receivers, three receivers who are like truly big bodied, you know, Nikhil Harry comps. I should, I should, I should avoid I was that. Say, pass, pass. <laughs> big pass. Um, no, okay. Let's, let's do, let's do them one, one nicer. Let's call them more like a, a T. Higgins comp. Love it. But like, so Traylon Burks. In Arkansas, he's six foot three, two hundred and twenty-five pounds. He's fast. He's a contested catch guy. Um, he can he can push the field vertical with that size. Jameson Wilson, not necessarily a true burner deep receiver, 
but also tore his ACL. So he's probably like the best receiver in the class, but tore his ACL. So probably would be available to the Patriots at 21 uh, because of that injury, because he'll miss at least the first half of the 2022 season, maybe even the whole thing. But you put him on the bench for the whole year, and maybe it doesn't solve their problems in 2022, but maybe Nelson Aguilar leaves in 2023, and, and all of a sudden Jamison Williams, can he's had the year to be healthy, he's got the year to study the playbook, and he can just jump right in. You know, it's a perfect world. But And that but is then so there Patriots these... too, Henry, right? That exact <laughs> formula. Bring the rookie yeah, in, develop sure. him, bring him in slowly. He's not expected to be Jamar Chase in week one. Like, that is so Patriots. They love that kind of thing. Right. The, um, the last big guy option that you can go with that's like a true first rounder is a guy named Drake London. Six foot five out of USC, 210 pounds. Another, you know, contested catch guy. Those are the guys that are like, <laughs> from the Patriots offense, uh, Jameson Williams is great. Traylon Burks and Drake London, if the Patriots were to draft them, which I do not think that they will, they would be people would freak out because they they like read like Nikhil Harry. You know what I mean? But if you look at guys like Garrett Wilson, uh, Ohio State player, Chris Olave, Ohio State player, Johan Dotson. Oh, sorry. Jahan Dotson, Penn State. I got to I have to do my like every year. If you're as you get into draft season, you have to like. Phonetics. Really study names and <laughs> yeah. get to know pronunciations. So I'm, I'm it's not easier quite to write yet, the but... names than to say them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. And and then John Mechie, Alabama. Those are all like undersized guys, but it's not like last year where they were like 160 pounds. It was a really weird class last year where there were just like a ton of absolutely tiny players, headlined by Devonte Smith, who is the Slim Reaper, of course. <laughs> Uh, but those guys I like as as Nelson Aguilar replacements. They're they're all five foot eleven ish, uh, six foot, five foot ten. They're all about 180, 85 pounds. They all have diverse route trees. They can do more than one thing. They're versatile. They can probably line up in different positions in the offense. No, they're not like obviously going to be you know wide receiver ones. They could develop into that, but they have the versatility to kind of do what, you know, what Julian Edelman did for a while was like bounce around, do different things for the offense. And hopefully you develop them into top end receivers. But if the Patriots need to look past round one, which honestly, if we are being honest with ourselves, you know, that's what they're going to do, right? (laughs) (laughs) You you slipped that in earlier and you don't think they're going to do this. You don't think they're going to draft wide receiver at 21. I don't, I don't think so. I think Belichick wants it's it's twenty one, and he talks about like premium position spots, receivers that, but he's not great at drafting receivers, and he must know that at this point. What he's good at drafting is tackles. Um, he's good at drafting cornerbacks, although he's probably better at developing them than drafting them. He's great at drafting linebackers, so I think he might play to his suits our strong suits, which are also some of the roster's weaknesses. And we could probably see him going cornerback or linebacker in this year's draft, maybe tackle depends on what happens with uh, Trent Brown. Cause he's a pending free agent and he was the starting right tackle for, for the, you know, every game he was healthy last year. So what I think could also happen is maybe they target, they go back to back or they go rounds, you know, three and five. And they hit sort of like the deeper part of this draft 
and try and get, you know, similar talents, but maybe, you know, from a program like Kentucky, Wandale Robinson, although I kind of think he's going to fly up draft boards because he kind of reminds me of, uh, what's his name? Rondale Moore from Purdue went, went to the Cardinals. Um, he's like a gadget player, but like projects better than most gadget players. And because Rondale Moore actually was like pretty good. Anytime people have success with like an outlier player, everybody gets emboldened to try it themselves and then it doesn't work. But, (laughs) um, so I could see him jumping off the board. Um, Justin Ross from Clemson is a good name. Romeo Dubs is someone bigger receiver, but from Nevada, who I think could be like good. And the thing about it is the Patriots could use a big receiver. Like it will freak out Patriots fans. But because Nikhil Harry didn't pan out, because the Patriots receiving core, like by and large, is pretty short. I think Nelson Aguilar is their tallest guy at six foot one. They could they can afford to to go big and like give it a try. Uh, but if they do want to play into their wheelhouse, which is like smaller guys, um, there's plenty in there for them. Um, so it's it's going to be an interesting draft. I will eat my hat if they don't take a receiver. I really think this year they're going to do it, which I, you know, I, I am not usually that bold, but I think it's going to, it's going to work out that they have enough picks this year that they're going to find a receiver at some point in the draft. No, I think it's a good take because I think both of us don't expect the Patriots to be super aggressive in free agency this year. I mean, they'll make some moves, but I don't think we're going to, we're not going to see anything like last year. We're not going to see them throw money around there will be it'll be a slower free agency, I think, for the Patriots. Uh, the they draft, just don't have any money, yeah. So they have to they have to do. Yeah, they're going to hit a bunch of singles. They can't do any of the doubles, triples, homers like they did last year. Right, exactly. They they just they have they have to take a step back this year. That's just how it works. So the draft makes sense, and and we're wishing for this, Henry. Right, we're wishing that they go wide receiver at twenty one, even if we don't b- really believe it. It's more of a wish. Because this all ties back to Mac Jones, right? We feel, even though Mac is, he did the rounds at the Super Bowl and he said all the right things, you know, talking about how he likes the guys they have and he's confident in the guys they have. But we all kind of know, like, we need to see Mac Jones with uh, a legit outside wide receiver to uh, really develop and really take the next step, right? That we, We're all saying this because that's what's best for Mac Jones. Never mind the coaching. He needs the targets, too. And I think you pair him with a really good receiver on the outside – and you'll see him blossom. I really think that it's it's going to be the best thing for him. But will the Patriots go get that player? That's that's the question. And, yeah. and we believe that Mac Jones needs that, right? That That's like the whole topic of this conversation. Yeah, I mean, it would be stellar if they could get Jameson Williams at 21 and just throw him on the bench until he's ready. Like, throw him into ice, yeah. ice bath until yeah. he's ready. Perfect. And John Perfect. Mechie, too. Like, I like John Mechie as well. But uh, Mechie's hurt as Jameson well, right? Williams. Coming off an injury? Is that right? He is. He is. Yep. And but he's more likely to return uh, for twenty twenty two. A lot of a lot of draft talk. That we're officially on to twenty twenty two, huh? It, it is the the, yeah. the 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 season is in the rearview mirror. It's hard to believe that we're here. February. We're talking draft already. Let's go. We're on to twenty twenty two. It's it's gonna be fun. I, I love draft talk. I also apologize to everyone who doesn't love draft talk and I'm just like <laughs> listing names and they're like, I have no idea who that is. Why, I'm one why are people, you telling yes. me yeah. about I'm like, who? John Mechie the third? Who watched Clemson but, this year? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> but the as the as the familiarity grows, you know, we'll be we'll be giving a little more depth to these you know, these profiles and 
And, you know, if people are interested in the draft, they'll get to know the big names. And those those six, seven names that I rattled off at the top of the first, like those are players that will be much discussed in the coming months. For sure. So keep your eye on Patriots Wire for sure. Henry and I will be back throughout the offseason to talk draft, to talk free agency. Looking forward to it. There's a lot going on with this team, as always. Uh, so for Henry McKenna, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Henry, you want to say bye to the people for the first time in our in our post-2021 podcast? Ladies, gentlemen, have a great offseason. This USA Today sports podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.